somebody explain to me how are the Yankees going to have 98 wins when four of their five starting pitchers are projected to have an ERA over four, four, four? And I'd love to face Trevor Bauer in the playoffs. I'd love it. I'd relish in the opportunity. I would fly myself to L.A. to go see the Mets and the Dodgers in a playoff game if Trevor Bauer is pitching, uh, just to give him a piece of my mind and tell him what kind of pitcher he truly, truly is, which is not a good one. We are back, another edition of Big Apple Baseball Podcast, and of course, opening weekend has passed us, and well, for one New York team, they played three games. For the other New York team, they start today due to the Washington Nationals COVID um, situation. And Liam, this is where things are going to get interesting. And I know this is not a COVID talk show, but the Washington Nationals should have or at least gotten the vaccine like the, uh, like the Houston Astros did before the season began and to avoid problems like this. And it, so that's well, you know for another day, but it's – yeah, you know, you know, well, the one thing, you know, that stood out to me in, in your opening sentence there was that the Houston Astros were one of the first teams to get yeah. vaccinated. Uh, you know, if I was in charge of that personally, I'd have the Astros be one of the last teams uh, to get vaccinated. But that's besides the point. And look, you know, when I got that notification from you and you sent me the tweet from uh, I believe it was Jeff Passan or yeah. Buster only might have been uh, that said that the Mets and Nationals were not going to play on opening day. The amount of disappointment was, you know, plentiful. And, you know, we found out the next day from John Heyman that the rest of the series uh, would be subsequently canceled and postponed as well. Uh, but I texted you and I said, look, I'm disappointed, but I understand it. Uh, Major League Baseball needs to prevent the spread. They did not know how many people were in close contact with the positive cases. Uh, So I understood where they were coming from. And look, if the Mets and Nationals had played on opening day or they played on Saturday or Sunday, there is a chance that one of the New York Mets could end up, you know, with a positive COVID case. If that happens, we would have been out much longer than three days. Here's the thing that bothers me, Liam. Yeah. Major League Baseball has a taxi squad for this exact reason. When multiple players come down, whether it's contact tracing, when they have tested positive for COVID-19, why do they not want to use the taxi squad? What was the biggest dilemma there with Major League Baseball saying, you know what? You have Juan Soto out. You have uh, Strasburg out. We're not going to give you the, you know, the weekend. We're going to postpone them. So now Major League Baseball has to find time with the Mets and the Nationals to not only make up one, not make up two, but make up three games with the Nationals and the Mets. And you have to figure they're going to be double headers. So it's going to be seven inning games. Mm. So to me, that just made no sense. This honestly, uh, you know, it feels like a continuation of last season, uh, unfortunately. And I know we're going to get past it once every team gets vaccinated, which personally I'm hoping gets done at some point in the middle of the season, yeah. some point in July uh, and August. But like I said, Will, to answer your question, going back to what I said before, it was all an abundance of caution. You know, they could have called up the taxi squad players and played a game, but you don't know who else those positives were in contact with, you know, they could have been in contact with Juan Soto and Juan Soto was not showing up as positive yet. And if Juan Soto played in that game, not only do his teammates get affected, his coaches get affected, but the Mets get affected as well. So I felt like the uh, major league baseball took the right precautions, but I was very, very disappointed by (laughs) what happened. You have opening opening the uh, opening day today. 
Uh, Jacob DeGrom gets to start in Philadelphia. The 3-0 Phillies, how about that? They swept the Atlanta Braves, something I didn't see happening. And if you want to go back to the Sensational Sports Trio where we ran down the predictions, I had the Braves finishing in third place. Albeit it's three games, but the Washington, the Philadelphia Phillies look like a different team. But anyway, let's get back to the topic of, of today's show, and which is the Mets and the Yankees. But the, but the New York Yankees, they lost two out of three to the Toronto Blue Jays. I, for one, is not one for overreacting. It's game three of a 100. 62 game season. Um, we're going to forget that this season, that this series even occurred in the next three weeks or so when the Yankees are like seven games over 500 and in first in the AL East. But Liam, I'm going to say it and I'm not overreacting because I wanted to put the brace in a little bit, but it's a continuation of year after year after year with the Yankees. Running the scoring position, they could not get the big hit. Uh, Aaron Judge to do a double play. It's a pop up or ground out with the Yankees, and it's honestly really frustrating. Um, the lineup, I think, could be well, very constructed a whole lot differently. And, you know, lineup on opening day, it goes as followed. LeMahieu, Judge, Hicks, Stanton, Torres, Urshela, Sanchez, Bruce, and Frazier. Why on earth do you have Aaron Hicks batting third? Your top three hitters should be your best hitters in the entire Yankee lineup. That would be LeMahieu, that would be Judge, and that would be Torres. Aaron Hicks, in my opinion, is a seven, eight, or nine hole hitter. He is not a three hole hitter. The Yankees like him because he's a switch hitter and it breaks up the righty versus lefty. To me, that is honestly bullcrap because your your third best hitter is batting fifth. And if the Yankees go down one, two, three, you're going to have your best hitter out of that group hitting second behind Giancarlo Stanton, who really doesn't get on base all that much. He's usually a home run or strikeout. So you're kind of burying Torres here. And what the Yankees are trying to say is if LeMahieu gets on, they're going to pitch around Judge, so maybe he draws a walk. And if Hicks gets on, they're going to pitch around Stanton, maybe he gets a walk. And here's Torres' opportunity to drive in runners home with a big RBI double or a single to the left field line. But no, that's not how that works. Honestly, this lineup could be constructed a whole lot differently, and I, I, I just don't buy Hicks third. I understand what they're trying to do, but after three games, it, it is not working. But it is three games. It could totally work in the Yankees' favor, but Right now, he just looks lost at the plate. Yeah, and I understand where the Yankees are coming from as well. And you said it in your opening remarks. It's all about, you know, Aaron Hicks being a switch hitter and having the advantage uh, from, you know, whoever is pitching on the mound, whether it is a lefty like Robbie Ray for the Blue Jays uh, or a righty uh, that they threw out in the first couple of games of the series. So, look, it's disappointing for the Yankees. Hicks should not be batting third. I think when, you know, we see the ensuing uh, – you know, series against the Baltimore Orioles, I think we're going to see a much different lineup. But, Will, you have to understand, and I think that you do, and most Yankee fans do as well, is that this lineup is, you know, it's a home run or bust type of lineup. There are not many, you know, contact hitters in this lineup. I think there's really – There's three. One or two, yeah. And I think it's LeMahieu and Judge. I mean, who it's else? Me, I'm going to say it's, it's LeMahieu, Torres, and Arshilla. That, to me, are the only three contact hitters on the Yankees. Because Gio Urshela could hit 285, but also yeah. have 20 home runs, which shows he's a, a contact hitter, but he has some pop in his bat. But if you look at the outs, you know, in this series, in big-time situations, you know, a lot of them were lofty fly balls that just didn't get, you know, over the fence. We saw Jay Bruce in game one almost hit a home run late in that game uh, that got caught on the warning track out there in right field. You know, Aaron Judge grounded into a double play in a big spot with the bases loaded and then struck out with on a fastball right down the middle, uh, you know, later in that game when he had a chance to put the Yankees up in front. But 
it's this lineup is constructed as power. When the power is not there, the offense is not there. And when the offense is not there, you're not going to win ball games. Uh, you know, it's simply put as that. And look, I think the Yankees are going to turn it around. They have a great opportunity against the Baltimore Orioles team who is going to showcase the back end of their rotation. Three and means, Baltimore Orioles. Yes. John means was <laughs> tremendous. Uh, Same Matt Harvey. Yeah. Matt and Harvey. Matt Harvey. <laughs> I have a feeling if the Yankees got a chance to see Matt Harvey, uh, their offense would get back on track very fast, but uh, they swept the Boston Red Sox. It's very impressive. They have a nice young core. The pitching's not there. So that's what I'm trying to tell you, Will. In the next series, the pitching uh, is going to, uh, the hitting is going to come to the forefront because they're going to have a big opportunity against an Orioles team that can't pitch well. I want to show you what the Blue Jays had for their lineup and what I'm saying about their top hitters hitting first. Marcus Semien, one, Kevin Biggio, two, and Bo Bichette, three. They have Vladimir Guerrero down to five. Uh, their best hitters are hitting one, two, three, four, and five. They don't care about adding balance to the lineup. Kevin Biggio is a lefty. Uh, Semien is a righty. Bichette is a righty. Hernandez is a righty. Vlad Guerrero, is he a righty? I, I, I believe he might be a righty. Vlad Guerrero is a righty, yes. So out of the top five, you have one lefty in Kevin Biggio. So you can tell the Blue Jays don't care about separating the righties and lefties. And look, outside of Vlad Guerrero Jr., they're all contact hitters. You know, the three batters that you just, you know, laid out to me, you know, at the start of the start of the lineup was Marcus Simeon, who's a contact hitter, Kevin Biggio, who's definitely a contact hitter, and Bo Bichette, who is definitely a contact hitter. So it's all table setters, one, two, and three. And if they can have one runner on, two runners on for Vlad Guerrero Jr. in that fifth spot, He's going to come through, and we saw that uh, in game three of the series. But, Will, let's run through the games game by game. Gary Sanchez, Liam, has looked like a a whole different animal. We start with game one. That's where the Yankees' uh, offense really comes from. Gary Sanchez getting them started. What was that in second uh, or third inning? inning? Second inning, he hit a two-run home run to give the Yankees the lead. And it was not just a home run. It was a two-run bomb uh, for Gary Sanchez. And quite frankly, he looked pretty good uh, throughout the remainder yeah, of the he went, series. But he, he, he went two for three with a walk uh, yeah. in, in game number one. So not bad. Exactly. And that's, you know, what, a big reason why I think the Yankees ended up winning that game uh, on opening day. And look, if you if I would have told you that the Yankees would have had to lose two out of three to the Toronto Blue Jays in the opening series, but – Gary Sanchez looks better on both sides of the ball. I think you take that deal. Well, I, I would have believed you because over the past five years, the Yankees have lost the opening series two out of three, two Interesting. regardless of who they're playing. Uh, 2019, when they played the Baltimore Orioles, they won opening day and then lost the remaining two. And then mm-hmm. they lost two out of three to the Detroit Tigers. So they lost two series of the two worst teams in Major League Baseball back in 2019. Everybody thought the world was over, but they won 103 games that year. Um, but that's why I'm saying it's a very long season. But the Yankees offense has come from Gary Sanchez. He hit a home run in opening day. Home run on on Saturday's game, which was a solo shot. And as of right now, he's the only source of offense that the Yankees have right now. And look, who would have thought, huh? Well, listen, this is a make or break season for him. If he plays well, I I think he's a spot next year. If he craps the bed, I think he's done. Um, I I know you're a supporter of Jay Bruce, but this guy cannot play. He cannot play. He can't play every day. I know we had two RBIs in Saturday's win, but it was a bloop single and it kind of goes swept under the rug a little bit, but I don't know. I want to see Talkman get a start at first base against Baltimore. Um, hopefully today or sometime this series, but man. Well, well, you know, I, he was I think hitting it was, fifth. he was hitting fifth yesterday. Fifth. Yeah. 
And I think it was game three, you know, of the series, obviously the game yesterday afternoon, uh, where Glaber Torres threw one slightly offline to Jay Bruce at first base and completely, them. completely yeah. went past him. Uh, I thought that he had to catch them. And, you know, oddly enough, it was Torres uh, who got the error on that play. So, uh, yeah, Bruce, not great defensively. But like I said, you know, he's a catalyst uh, offensively. Excuse me, getting a phone call here. Um, but yeah, he's a, he, he can be a catalyst offensively. He almost was able to go deep, you know, in game one of that series. You know, batting fifth, maybe not. Maybe you'd like to see Hicks get that spot and maybe move Bruce uh, down to the seventh or eighth position in the in the lineup. My ideal lineup, Lane, would be LeMayhew, Judge, Torres at three, Stanton at four, or Shilla at five, Sanchez at six, um, Frazier at seven, Bruce at eight, and Hicks at nine. That would be my ideal lineup. Because uh, you could almost use Hicks as a double leadoff type of guy because he gets on base a lot, and then he's at the table for DJ LeMahieu. Um, Clint Frazier's had some really good at-bats for the Yankees, and I think the bullpen itself, and everybody's so worried about the pitching, Liam. The pitching has been good for the Yankees. I mean, the pitching has been really, really good. I mean, the starters, aside from uh, Domingo Herman. Have been good. I mean, I was not expecting Corey Kluber to go out there and throw six innings. He threw one inning combined in 2019 and 2020, and he, he, he went into the fifth inning into the ballgame. He didn't go the entire five, but he did pretty well. Uh, but the bullpen has looked really, really solid. Chad Green has looked solid. Jonathan Lewisaga is a pitcher that I think is going to make a tremendous step this season as, as a long relief type of pitcher. He's been terrific for them. But how about- And Michael King was yeah, great was- Yeah, yesterday. He was tremendous. He came in when Domingo Herman clearly uh, did not have his best stuff. I don't know about you, Will, but, you know, watching Domingo Herman yesterday, I mean, he was just throwing everything in the strike zone, throwing up meatballs uh, up there in the first couple innings. Doesn't surprise me that the Yankees went down three, nothing early on, but Michael King came in and he had none of it. He gave up, I believe it was two bloop singles, you know, uh, in the first couple of batters that he faced. And then after that, for the remainder of the five, six innings, he didn't give up anything. So, you know, that's huge, uh, long relief. And it's a guy that Aaron Boone can trust. You know, if you gain trust in a reliever and, you know, you have big time situations where you need to get an out, you know, and you need a righty pitcher to come in, Michael King might be that guy. And like you said, Jonathan Loisaga as well. Um, you know, we see, we saw Merriweather uh, for the Blue Jays come out and close the last two games of the series. Michael K was talking about him. He was a starter actually before he became the closer. I believe Michael King was a starter as well before he transitioned to the bullpen. Yankees could have some lightning in a bottle here with Michael King. I think Michael King gets demoted to the alternate site before the Tampa Bay series, because that's when Justin Wilson is post return. Justin Wilson is supposed to be back on Friday for the Yankees. Um, do they Honestly, send- Will, I don't know how you can send Michael King down. Well, who else are they going to send down? Uh, I believe there is another lefty uh, arm Lucas in that Lutke. Yeah, Lukey. Yeah, I guess that would be it, right? Or I mean, Luis Sessa, who is not really. Uh, well, the thing is, if you're going to be bringing in Justin Wilson, who is a lefty, you know, you're going to want to take a lefty out probably. You don't you want can, to have. Or don't you want to have two lefties in the bullpen? Well, you have Chapman too, so that would be three lefties yep. in the bullpen. But okay. I know what you're saying, not outside of the closers role. I personally, again, I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not in tune specifically with the organization as much as you are, but Michael King looked like the best relief pitcher the Yankees had all series. And, you know, that's saying something because like you said, Will, the uh, the bullpen was great during the entire series. Everybody, not just Michael King, Wiseco was good. Uh, Darren O'Day had a couple of good innings. Yeah, certainly. And Chad Green, you know, in the first couple of games, he was, did not pitch in the third game, but in the first two, you know, he was huge. So Yankees have some decisions coming up here. I don't know if Michael King's the one to be demoted uh, uh, to the alternate site, but we shall see. 
Jay Bruce in opening day, he had a fly out uh, to the second baseman. Uh, he walked, reached a second. Uh, he hit that long shot in the seventh mm-hmm. inning that we thought was a home run. And then he struck out in the ninth inning. Um, I don't know if you saw, but this upcoming series with the, with, with the Orioles, the Yankees have pitchers pitching that they want to throw out there. Jordan Montgomery goes today. Garrett Cole goes tomorrow. And Jamison Tyone makes his Yankee debut on Wednesday. Um, actually, Tyone's going to face John Means on Wednesday. So a, a pretty good pitching matchup for the Yankees and, and the Orioles. But right now, the Orioles are down to their fourth and fifth starter, who after John Means, they don't really have a pitching rotation. Because um, the fact that Matt Harvey is your number two just goes to show you where your pitching rotation is uh, as a team. So I remember the Mets played the Orioles last year uh, during the 60-game season. Obviously, you know, you play the AL East and you play the NL East, uh, you know, specifically – and the Orioles had Asher Wojciechowski. I don't know if you remember that name. He's with the Yankees alternate site now. As the four starter, and now he's with the New York Yankees. So I can't even tell you who the number four or number five is. I think it's some guy named Lopez today. Juan Lopez, Jose Lopez, whoever the guy's name is. I, <laughs> you can't even tell, right? No idea. And then tomorrow's supposed to be Kramer. Like, uh, who knows? Um, and then John Means goes on. And even – yeah, and I know we'll talk about the Mets later, but Matt Moore for the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies is starting tonight's game. So a bunch of uh, obscure names we have to get ourselves familiar with. Let's transition into the Mets as we get into that. But before we do, Liam, let me ask you a question. I know the answer to this, but people on Twitter are overreacting. The Yankees are going to be just fine. Um, the Yankees are going to be just the long fine. I mean, yes. I'm not really concerned. Um, I understand what people are saying. You want to the season off on the right foot, but, I mean, it's three games. I mean, the – uh, excuse me, the Atlanta Braves are 0-3. So. I think what, you know, gives Yankee fans a light at the end of the tunnel is exactly what you said at the start of the show. Five of the last six seasons, the Yankees have lost the opening series. Seriously, they have. It's some, They don't get off to fast starts, no. and that's not a problem. You know, you don't have to get off to the fastest start in the world. You don't have to sweep the first series if you're going to end up winning 105 to 110 games. Look, the Braves, they got swept by the, you know, the Phillies in the opening series. They're still going to end up with over 90 wins. It's a 162-game season for a reason. Now, if the Yankees go up against the Orioles in the next series and lose two out of three or get swept there, that's when I start getting concerned, not because the Yankees are losing a lot of games, but because it's two divisional opponents that have now shut down the Yankees in consecutive series, and they have not even faced the AL pennant winner from last year, the Tampa Bay Rays, yet. So this AL Rays are not all that. I mean, they're not. I agree with you. The Rays hit their third starter as Rich Hill. Um, so, <laughs> yes, and then the, Michael Walker going today against the Boston Red Sox. That's going to be very interesting to see how Walker <laughs> does. But look, and, you know, as a Yankee fan, you got to take solace in the fact that uh, the Boston Red Sox are not good uh, this season. They're not looking great at all. And I think a lot of people expected them to make improvements, uh, but it looks like they might be. They might be the last team in the AL East, and that's a shock after winning the World Series, you know, just a few years ago. Let's let's transition into the Mets, Liam. Opening day for you is finally upon us. Uh, The Mets head to uh, Philly to take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, This lines up Taiwan Walker to start opening day at Citi Field for the Mets uh, in front of fans. Um, Do you think the Phillies have the advantage here after playing for three days and the Mets have kind of taken it off a little bit? Like, what are you expecting here for the Mets? I do think that the Phillies are going to be at a slight advantage, but also 
I think that the Mets are caged animals right now. Uh, imagine just on Christmas Day walking down to your tree and going to open a present and your mom and your dad just says, nope, not today. You're going to have to wait until Monday. Uh, that's exactly what happened uh, with the Mets. And they are just clamoring to get on the field. Imagine being Francisco Lindor. Just coming off your 11-year, 10-year, excuse me, 10-year, $341 million contract extension the day before the season starts and not being able to play baseball until the following Monday. That must have been terrible. So I, I expect Jacob DeGrom to come out, you know, pumped and excited. And I expect the Mets to put up a bunch of runs. They're facing Matt Moore. I don't know much about him, but from his ERA in previous seasons, he doesn't look like the most dominant pitcher in the world. Uh, the Mets are going to elude facing Zach Wheeler in this series who had a seven inning one hit shutout against the Atlanta Braves. Do you play two. Aaron Nola on Wednesday? They do play Aaron Nola on Wednesday, but the Mets have had some success against Aaron Nola, albeit I do think that Aaron Nola is going to be a guy who's going to have a breakout season this year. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he sh- it was able to shut the Mets down, but the Mets are just so excited to play baseball uh, that you bet they are going to be ready to make an impact tonight. They are playing Matt Moore, and then tomorrow some guy named Anderson pitches for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Chase Anderson, I believe, is spent some time with the Blue Jays last year. Yeah, um, so they don't face really good pitching until the what could be the rubber game um, of the series on Wednesday against Aaron Nola. That I believe would be David Peterson's start for the Mets. Is that an afternoon game for the Mets? Four five, and then the Mets uh, okay. play the Marlins on Thursday at one o'clock um, as they take on the Marlins and Taiwan Walker makes a start for the Mets. Uh, I'm excited to watch the Mets finally play baseball again. Um, this lineup, I want to see what the lineup looks like. Um, does Dom Smith have a starting role on this team, you think? Yes, he does. I mean, Dom Smith was one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter, honestly, for the Mets last season. And uh, unfortunately, there is no universal DH, so there's no place to stick Dominic Smith because he doesn't really have a position right now. Uh, Pete Alonso is the first baseman. Pete Alonso cannot play anywhere else. Uh, and Dominic Smith, he's going to be in left field. And, you know, am I a little bit concerned about that? A little bit. I have faith in Dominic Smith. He's been having a lot of playing time early on in spring training there, trying to get assimilated to playing an outfield role. So we'll see what he's able to do. But his bat is really why he's in the lineup. And it's an interesting, actually, it's an interesting decision for Luis Rojas because Matt Moore is is a lefty, you know, and Luis Rojas said in a press conference yesterday that his opening day lineup might change from what it might have been against the Nationals on uh, Thursday to what it's going to be tonight. And Dominic Smith is one of many lefties in the Mets lineup. I wonder if Kevin Pillar gets a start in center field and Brandon Nimmo gets a start in left with Conforto in right to uh, minimize the amount of um, lefties the Mets have in the lineup against Matt Moore. Maybe you have Dominic Smith come off the bench. But if you're looking at an everyday left field, then it's going to be Dominic Smith. What's so funny is that Major League Baseball kept the runners on second rule, but they did not bring back the universal DH. Um, that to me is just bogus. And we'll get into this later on the Sensational Sports Trail uh, later this week. That runner on second base rule is a joke. I mean, it's it is. not good. And I mean, look, I, I, I'm all for when my team wins, but we lost by an opening day. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm saying of it make it more like a hockey standpoint where you play the overtime and then you go to a shootout. They yeah. should do the first three innings of extra innings normal. And then in, in the 13th, 14th inning, then the runner goes on second base. 
because if they want the games to end a lot sooner, just play the extra innings normal. And then in the 13th, if nobody scores or nobody wins, then you start that rule. I just think to start in the 10th inning, the road team has the automatic advantage because they score first. They pretty much have the lead. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I think from a pitching standpoint, I think it plays an important role as well, because if you're the home team, you're throwing out a pitcher who can potentially go multiple innings, Nick right? Nelson, against the for example, for the Yankees on opening day. Exactly. Nick Nelson, for example, on opening day, what happened? The Blue Jays scored a couple of runs. Then what advantage did the Blue Jays have over the Yankees? Closer. They put in their closer, uh, you know, in lieu of a long relief guy, which is obviously Merriweather is a better pitcher than Nick Nelson. I think we can all agree yep. on that. And that's probably why the Blue Jays won that game. So uh, there is a slight advantage. I get it. Each team has a runner on second. It's supposed to be fair. Uh, But I thought that this was a 2020 rule, not something that uh, was going to come over in 2021. I don't like it either. I got to be honest. And as far as the universal DH will, I mean, we may not like that there's no universal DH, but the pitchers, they're seeming to like it. Madison Bumgarner hit a ball 400 feet on opening day. So, well, Let's talk about this a little bit. I don't know if you saw Shohei Otani pitched yesterday for the Angels, and he actually hit for himself. My um, goodness. The, the Angels got rid of the DH, and they, and, and they let Otani hit second. And I was uh, talking to my dad about it as I was watching the game. I'm like, I wonder if, if Major League Baseball is trying to do this permanently with the younger pitchers because Otani could do it all. Um, so th- we pretty much had a national league in, in the American league last night with Otani pitching and they had saw the double switch late in the game. But my opinion, we'll talk about it later in, in the sports trio. He's got to stick to one because he almost got hurt yesterday covering home plate. So. Yeah. I mean, here's my question, right? And I, I know what you're probably going to say to this, but why can the angels from the American league decide to put Shohei Otani into the lineup and be, you know, pitcher hitter and national league, you know, they can't put a DH in there if they want. Why do the Angels have a choice? And why do the Mets, you know, teams yeah, like the yeah. Mets don't? Yeah. You know, I mean, I get it. I mean, you're essentially putting Otani in as your DH. I mean, I get it. But he can't play two uh, positions at once. And it's just it's just a whole mess. And you want to talk about unfair. I mean, yes, the extra inning rule is a tad unfair because of what I just mentioned with Nick Nelson and Merriweather. Uh, but this is not fair. Uh, I'm sorry. If you have a National <laughs> League team and an American League team, you know, going up against each other. One has an advantage of putting up a pitcher who probably can't hit a lick. And the other one can put in somebody like Albert Pujols or Joey Gallo, you know, who can make a big impact on the game. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Will. Well, they got to figure out what to do because he had a bomb and he helped himself. And then he got into some trouble and ended up winning the game. He Uh, crushed that ball. I don't know why they just don't DH him when, or put in a DH when he's pitching. I mean, does he really want to do both that badly? I mean, now he's out today because he got hurt yesterday, some soreness. So he's been a two-way player his entire career. Right. You know, but but yeah. that's how it is in Japan. That's how it is. Uh, that's not how it is over here. And I think a lot of the Japanese pitchers that have come over from Japan, like a Masahiro Tanaka, have accepted that this is my role, unless you're going to the National League. If Otani wanted to do this so bad, he should have gone to the National League. But again, there's no DH, right? So he would be just be pitching and hitting once a week compared to when he's with the Angels, he plays every day. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting to- topic for discussion, obviously, with Otani getting hurt 
last night. That's something that you never want to see. And now he's going to be out uh, for a few consecutive games here, Will. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a part of the new collective bargaining agreement, what all the parameters are going to be for the future of Major League Baseball. And like I said, I'm not in support of having the extra inning rule. I'm not in support of having, I like your rule. Let me just say, I like your rule. Do it like hockey, you know, like, if it gets to the top of the yeah, 13th I mean, inning, that's when you put them on base, yeah. right? The, the road team should definitely obviously have the runner on second first, but give the teams a chance to win the game. You know what I mean? But, let's transition uh, into, obviously, the center of the show, which is the two New York teams, and let's give the predictions. I'm going to start with me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Yankees sweep the Orioles. I don't think the Baltimore Orioles are all that. Um, they played the Boston Red Sox, who, man. They can't pitch a lick. They gave up a seven runs in, in the third inning yesterday of the Baltimore Orioles. So I think the Yankees sweep them. Uh, I think the Mets take two out of three by the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I, I think they win today. I think they lose tomorrow, and I think they win the the um, the rubber game against Aaron Nola because uh, I don't know how good uh, David Peterson um, – actually, no, Peterson is pitching third game. So, yeah, so I think the Mets win the first two uh, and then lose – the third game of the series with David Peterson on the mound. Uh, so I think the Yankees sweep the Orioles and the Mets take two out of three. I would say that the Orioles beat the Yankees one out of three. So the Yankees win two win out of three of those games. I think the Orioles are just on a high right now. Uh, and, you know, the Yankees are a team that have been struggling lately. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Orioles came out with Lopez on the mound tonight and maybe got themselves a win. Look, they're excited. They're pumped. They see the top team in the American League East. They're playing at Yankee Stadium. They're going to want to win this game. So I would very much expect uh, the Orioles to win at least one. I do think that the Yankees will find their legs uh, by the end of the series. And like you said, well, it's not finding their legs with the starters. It's not finding their legs with the bullpen. It's all about getting the hitting back on track. And, and that no, means for- you can't bench Giancarlo Stanton the third game of the season. Well, you know what? He got booed out of the building after his fourth strikeout in uh, an opening day. I don't know if you heard it, but... What are your thoughts on that? The Yankees fans booing John Carlos I mean, Stanton. Is it warranted or? No, no. I mean, I don't think it's warranted because it's the third game of the season. Second game of the season. You have to give the guy some time to adjust. I mean, he's playing pitchers in spring training who probably don't even make the team because the, they don't want their stop starters to get hurt. Um, but to boo him, he hit 38 home runs in his first season with the Yankees. He hit six home runs in the postseason last year. The guy is a great player. Um, is he what he was with the Marlins? Absolutely not. But he's still a dominant player. Um, to, but the boo, the guy, I don't know. I know. Boone's I get gonna, it. Yankee fans are frustrated. I, I know I Boone's going to do something silly with the lineup today. Maybe Higashioka starts over Sanchez because they want Higashioka to play after not playing for three days. Talkman, I think gets a start because they don't want Talkman to sit. So maybe Aaron Hicks gets a sweat on the bench. Tyler Wade maybe comes in. He hasn't played all, uh, in, maybe Gardner Gardner had a couple well, Gardner played yesterday. Yeah. And, and Gardner's come in the game out of the two games, but I don't know. I think you're going to see a little bit of Tyler Wade this series start a game. I don't know for who, though. It better not be for Urshela or Torres. I definitely want to see it for Bruce. Take Bruce out, put mm-hmm. LeMahieu over at first, and then Wade at second. I mean, that's the ideal scenario, right? Uh, but we'll see what happens. But, Liam, I think the Mets take two out of three from the Phillies. Yeah, and, you know, just one last note on the Yankees. Uh, they are going to turn it on. They are going to turn it around, and I think Aaron Judge is going to have a big series uh, against the Orioles. And look, Aaron Judge has not had a great start to the season, like you said, Will. Well, you know, you called him out good. You want to know something funny? Here's a yeah. fun fact: Aaron Judge has hit his first homer of the season in either Game Six, Game Seven, or Game Nine in his entire career. 
Yeah, again, much like the Yankees <laughs> getting off to a slow start as a team, right, on opening day series, Aaron Judge uh, seems to have that same issue, but he's going to turn it around. The guy is far too good. You know, he was just late on a on a fastball, you know, that he ended up striking out on late and in the game. And he hit the ball hard, and he hit the ball really he hard. He has hit the ball hard, yes. He's I believe he had a – what, did he have a fly out yesterday? That was pretty pretty hard to hit, maybe a line drive center so field. Simeon had to jump up to catch it. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so type of catch. Exactly. So he's hitting the ball hard. A judge just can't let these struggles get into his head. He doesn't. And once he hits that first home run, and he's probably going to get it against the Orioles, a little bit of a spoiler alert, <laughs> I know. Uh, but if he gets the, you know, that against the Orioles, that's when he starts to turn it on. And when you have Judge working on all cylinders, everybody else uh, is going to fall into place as well. But and look what a home run could do for a guy like Gary Sanchez. Look Absolutely. at his confidence from what it was last season. He hits the home run opening day, and he was your best offensive weapon the entire series. So one home run could change a whole lot for a player. Um, he was dangerous the entire Get to your point series. about the Mets. Yeah, uh, but for my point about the Mets, uh, it's, it's difficult to predict because I don't know how the Mets are going to come out. I think with Jacob DeGrom on the mound, I think that there is a very little chance that the Mets lose this opening day game against the Phillies. So I think that they win tonight. I think that they win tomorrow as well. Uh, and I think Thursday uh, is, excuse me, Wednesday is really where uh, we see where the Mets are at. It's Aaron Nola against David Peterson. Can David Peterson step up, get Bryce Harper out, fellow lefty, uh, you know, in big time situations? And can the Mets bats produce? And I think Francisco Lindor is going to have a huge impact on this opening series. He's ready to go. Yeah. Coming off a 10-year contract, he is going to be uh, explosive in this series. I could not be more excited uh, for the Mets and the Phillies. And look, I'm also happy that the Mets don't have to play the Nationals uh, anytime soon because we won't have any fear of any games getting postponed or canceled. So I don't know how they're going to make these games up. I mean, I would assume every team has to play 162 games, um, right? Obviously, that would make sense. It's going to be um, a doubleheader. Yeah. It's going to be multiple doubleheaders. And again, that's and it works out because the Mets play them another 14 times, like 18 times a season. Right. So they could split the doubleheaders up. Uh, maybe you do a, a, a doubleheader the next time these two teams play and then like a regular game. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, a lot to look forward to. Tune in on Thursday for the Penalty Box podcast. Kyle Palmieri was a healthy scratch yesterday, so he could be traded in sometime in the near future. And the Sensational Sports Trio should be back with us at some point, either Wednesday or Thursday, as we hit on everything. And we'll definitely have the Otani discussion. Uh, Will Pesic, Liam Godimer, Big Apple Baseball Podcast. Our first doubleheader we- uh, recap will be Wednesday when the Mets and the Yankees conclude their series with the Baltimore Orioles and the Philadelphia Phillies. Hopefully it's some good vibes from the both of us on Wednesday. Uh, And then we will have uh, a day off of the Yankees on Thursday. And then the Mets will play Thursday, Saturday, Sunday against the Miami Marlins who just looked lost. I don't the Tampa Bay Rays, but again, they are the Marlins. Uh, Imagine, imagine being one last note here before we end the show. Imagine being a Marlins fan. So excited for opening day. You get to face your crosstown rivals, the Tampa Bay Rays. It would be like if the Rangers and the Islanders played each other uh, on opening night, which uh, ironically they did uh, this season. Uh, And one run on the board between the two teams. And Austin Meadows home run in the seventh inning. And that was it. Imagine being so excited as a Marlins fan to be back at your first sports event uh, in such a long time, over a year, and having that result. Did you know that the Texas Rangers today are going to have their home opener in front of a a full capacity sellout crowd, 50,000 people in the stands? 
Uh, look for the COVID cases to rise in Texas sometime in the near future. And there's no mask mandate either. I mean, no. come, I mean and come on. They are, though, saying that for the, for the future games, drop it, dropping the capacity, I guess, for opening day. I mean, they also – this is a brand-new stadium that Ranger fans never got to experience last year, but that's not an excuse to – It's to, funny. The Dodgers uh, and the Braves got to experience yeah, before playing at that did. ballpark before the actual yeah. Texas Rangers did, obviously, uh, Globe Life Stadium being home for the bubble. But uh, we're for, seeing – Yeah we're seeing fans capacity uh, and it's just so good to see fans back in the stadium. Um, and, and regardless of what happened to the Yankees this right. series, it I was, mean, it, just it was so good to hear like the natural yes. sound uh, of the crowd. And, you know, the hope is every month to up, uh, up the capacity, uh, you know, 20%. So by July, we could be at 75% capacity. And for a, a July day, you usually get around 75% capacity because nobody goes, everybody's at the beach. Right. So, right. It's going to be a okay, and um, by you know by the playoffs with the Yankees and the Mets, you could see full capacity crowds. And could you imagine if there's a Subway Series for the World Series this year? Wow, <laughs> that would be uh, fantastic. Would be everything, you know. It goes back to that old, uh, I believe it's Simpsons meme. Shut up and take my money. Futurama is a Futurama meme. Excuse me. Shut up and take my money. Um, but yeah, uh, exactly. Having fans in the stands is just so important. And Will, I could just tell you, sitting down uh, on my bed yesterday watching the Yankees game, you know, a Sunday afternoon, classic, beautiful day at Yankee Stadium. The fans were pumped. Obviously, you know, it didn't go the way the Yankees wanted. Uh, but you could just tell by the atmosphere just how excited everybody was. And Michael Kay as well in the booth, just excited. Excited to call a baseball game. Again, I think so. you know. I think you notice the fans uh, in the ballpark better than you notice fans at a hockey game or a basketball game. Oh yes. Um, I don't know what it is, but when I watch an Islander game, I just don't feel it. Uh, but I watch the Yankee games. I'm like, wow. Like I, I like. There's no more fake crowd noise. This is it. Like this is this is the live reaction to a game. And I think Islander being games, just don't hear it. I think being at an Islander game or a Ranger game, I think the atmosphere when you're in the stands yeah. is better than baseball. But when you're watching it from the big picture and yeah. you're watching it on your television, you really get the atmosphere uh, from baseball as opposed to hockey. But, yeah. uh, you know, anyway. Big, uh, we, big yeah. couple days ahead. Will Pesic, yeah. Liam Godimer, our first ever double header recap coming up on Wednesday. Liam, we hope for some good vibes, huh? I'm hoping for some good vibes. I'm hoping that the Mets, you know, get off to a, um, a a roaring start, hopefully a winning record. I mean, we've seen some of these teams, the top teams, some of them are have weird, you know, odd records. You know, obviously I didn't expect the Dodgers uh, to only take two out of three from the Rockies. So, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought the Rockies were going to be down in the dumps. You actually thought the Rockies I, well, were going to have quite a good season. I, so. I think the Rockies have a nice lineup. But talk about nice lineups. I know it's the Texas Rangers, but how about the Kansas City Royals, huh? I mean, a very underrated team. Uh, mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield, I think, is one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. I mean, this guy is he's, – he's another DJ LeMahieu, right? And then you have Andrew Benintendi second, and then you have Salvador Perez. I mean, this is a good team that they have in Kansas City, a very underrated lineup. But and what they you made, see now is yeah. not going to last. The Orioles are not going to last at 3-0. You know, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, these teams, you know, their offense are coming out to play. We I mean, saw the Tigers 14 took to 2 out of 3 from the Indians. I mean, that's not going to last either. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of these teams are young. A lot of these teams are ready to go. And, you know, I looked at the Royals specifically, and I know this is the Big Apple Baseball podcast, but we like to, you know, go all throughout Major League Baseball because we just love the sport. And when there's no Mets, you know, we have to talk about something. But with the Royals, I thought they made some key signings. They signed three players in the offseason that really, I think, made a huge impact. Number one, 
Michael A. Taylor to yeah. Rome Center. Two field. home runs already. Two home runs already. He signed a one-year, $1 million really contract. Yeah. yeah, so he did have some power with the Nationals, never really came, and then Victor Robles came you know, as that top center field prospect who is so great defensively and has a ton of speed, so there was no spot for Taylor. I think that's huge for the Royals. Mike Miner, I think they also brought in uh, to shore up that rotation. That's big. Obviously, the pitching's not there, but having a veteran like Miner is important. And Carlos Santana. Switch hitter from the Cleveland Indians to play first base. You know, ever since Eric Hosmer left the Kansas City Royals, first base has kind of been a little bit of a question mark. I believe Ryan O'Hearn played there, uh, you know, for a couple of seasons in the interim. But you have a core now of Santana, Merrifield at second, Mondesi at shortstop, Salvador Perez at catcher in your outfield. Looks pretty good as well with Jorge Soler uh, and Michael A. Taylor. This team could make an impact and will. Last point on uh, on the Royals. The AL Central could be the most wide-open division in, in all of baseball. And they could come in and get it. They could. I think the Twins are very overrated. I think the Indians, they lost Francisco Lindor. They can't expect, you know, that loss to not make an impact on their overall record. And a team like the Royals or a team like the Tigers can jump in there, maybe steal this division. But that's a topic for another day. So Will Pesek, Liam Gottimer, we'll be back with you on Wednesday for this series recap between the Yankees and the Orioles and the Mets and the Phillies. Tune in tonight at 7 o'clock. Dig up the ground, plays Matt Moore. You can catch it over on SNY. And at 6.30, Yankees have three 6.30 starts. Jordan Montgomery takes on somebody Lopez for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, that's this Lopez, Garrett Cole, and Jamison Tyone. We'll be back Wednesday, Thursday. We have this is, uh, this is uh, the Penalty Box podcast and either Wednesday or Thursday, we will have the sports trio. A busy, busy week ahead. Stay tuned, and we'll talk to you guys next week.